Hello, I'm Adam, and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you'll hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This is the whopping fifth season of the podcast with new guests and brand new stories and conversations with some people that you will definitely know and some people that you'll come to know through these episodes. I'm thrilled to say that this podcast is proudly sponsored by the wonderful people at PlantGrow, producers of award-winning organic compost, mulch and fertiliser made with zero chemicals. Great for your garden and even greater for the planet. And I know because it's all I use in my garden. And don't forget, if you use the code POTTINGBENCH on plantgrow.co.uk, you'll get 10% off your whole order. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to ask, if you listen to this podcast and enjoy it, then please consider rating and leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It's easy to do, takes a few minutes of your time, but it helps this podcast get into the ears of more like-minded planty people. In this week's episode, we're bringing it back to basics and understanding the fundamentals of why we should be getting our children into gardening. This week, I'm joined by gardener, writer and RHS school gardening champion, Helen Cross. Helen is passionate about bringing gardening to the forefront of the curriculum, but she's also impassioned about something else too, growing your own food and creating delicious meals with those ingredients. In this conversation, we also talk in depth about Helen's book, Grow, Cook, Inspire, which is a book dedicated to the highs and lows of seasonal growing. Enjoy. So, for anyone who is not familiar with you right now, who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, I am, I'm Helen Cross. When I'm not running around after three small children, um, I've been a storyteller for the last 16, 18 years. I work in the world of media and press relations and um, I'm also a writer and an author. I also host the podcast Grow, Cook, Inspire. And my first book, which is also called Grow, Cook, Inspire, came out earlier this year. And on my day off, because I'm such a good soul and I'm destined for heaven, I give up my spare day to um, teach kids how to garden and also to cook. So I'm a jack of all trades and some may argue a master of none. But um, (laughs) the bottom line is I love to garden and I love food. So um, the two go very much hand in hand in my view. Yeah. I love the I love the fact that you say you've got a day off. How on earth have you got a day off in between all of those many facets of your <laughs> life? <laughs> uh, I know I, I keep Thursdays free because that's the day that my husband my husband's a GP and that's the day he doesn't work. So mm. it means I'm not anchored to the school timetable. So I know I can rely on somebody else to pick up the kids because where we live we don't have any family nearby and. Um, We've moved around a lot, so it is it is a bit of a juggle. But during the lockdown, I decided I really wanted to go back to work to save my sanity. So we make it work. It's an absolute juggle. But to be honest, I I probably wouldn't have it any other way because I mm. like to be busy. Um, that's mine. There was no way I was ever going to be tied to a kitchen sink. That's <laughs> what I decided. <laughs> No, no, I can imagine. So, I mean, you've said you've said lots in there that we'll we'll unpick lots of that as we go through. But the kind of the constant is the is the storytelling. But gardening and um and the kind of the plant side of things was not the original start by any means, was it? What was your what was your life before before you found plants? 
Well, as I said there, we've moved around quite a bit. I grew up on a farm on the southwest coast of Scotland, which my family still farm. It's a sheep farm. And I guess I've always been surrounded by nature gardening, but like so many people who grew up in a rural setting, when I turned 17 and I could walk to university, I could not wait to escape all this open space, uh, which is so ironic. And I went off to university to study history. I specialised in European feminism, of all things, which has now become quite useful. And yeah, I moved around. I got a job in media and PR for a big consultancy. And my husband was a professional rugby player, which meant that we then became a bit hostage to fortune and had to move where the next contract was. And we ended up moving from Edinburgh down to London. And we had a few couple of children down there. My first two boys were born down there. And then he retired and we ended up going back to Glasgow, where I had originally studied, as he went back to medicine to become a GP. And then we found ourselves in lockdown really fast forward in Glasgow and no family nearby and yeah I also find myself that people were coming to me looking for advice for their own businesses in terms of how they could tell their story so the two sort of went hand in hand but the garden became a bit of an obsession I was very unwell during lockdown Mm. I have a history of mental illness anorexic in my 20s and I suffered from postnatal depression after the birth of my first son and then really bad depression during my next two pregnancies. And sadly, during lockdown, again, like so many, I'm sure many of your listeners will be able to relate at home with three children under the age of five at one point. I was going batty. I mm-hmm. hated being isolated, loved people. And yeah, part of my toolkit, as well as drugs and a lot of therapy, um, the garden a big bit of of my toolkit and I don't think I'd be here talking to you Adam to be honest had it not been for for the garden and on the back of that uh, the book evolved um, from that as well I had a neighbour very very lovely neighbour who also happened to have written a few books under his Mm. belt um, James Morton who was in the great bake-off 10 years ago he said, had, you ever, had I ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, yeah, I think everybody's got a book in them. And then my other neighbour, who happens to be a very good illustrator called Ruth Craddock, said, you should totally write a book, Helen. And I was like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And that was at the time when we thought we might be locked in our houses for a couple of weeks in March yeah. 2020. And lo and behold, we weren't locked in our houses for just a few weeks. And that's why the book took three years to complete <laughs> because I was very unwell there was work there was three children there was a husband working as an NHS doctor who I didn't see very much but yeah so I I think I probably went off on a tangent there but uh, (laughs) you go off on as many tangents as you like oh yeah and I guess and the the podcast was a way of actually connecting to people during lockdown and allowing them to tell their stories because I did it all remotely Mm. and it sort of has stuck and it's been going sort of intermittently over the last sort of three years. I do it in block series. At the moment, I'm doing, a, I've just finished over the summer, a special podcast with my work with the RHS in May at the Chelsea Flower Show, where I hosted a stage in the Floral Marquee interviewing sort of 20 women and scientists, gardeners, and also the highs of their careers. So, yeah. So there's there's lots of different things keeping me on my toes and have kept me on my toes up until this point. 
Definitely are. Bloody hell. Where where on earth where on earth do I start? Honestly, I think I, I'm gonna go back to lockdown because although in, in a way I think we're I think we're kind of sick of talking about it, but it's it's something that always comes up. Always, always comes up. And it's that I think it's because it was that one constant that we all shared, whether we wanted to or not. And I think I think that despite the fact that it was clearly a really difficult time for you i think that what you're still able to do is see a positive that has absolutely come from that because i think you you wouldn't necessarily be doing i mean perhaps any of what you're doing now if it if it weren't for that time yeah i would agree and i think it's also important that we i know nobody wants to talk about the lockdown but i think it's really important that we don't forget about that time either because there was a lot of crap that happened and i mean we lost two family members and a really close friend not all from covid but we lost loved ones during that period of time that we weren't able to say a proper goodbye to but also there was this realization that we as a society had become very disconnected to nature so the one good thing that has is the fact that there has been this huge surge in interest around gardening and the environment and I think it's really important that we don't rest on our laurels and that we keep that interest alive and keep it ignited because it could we could all very easily just go back to our day jobs and put our heads back in the sand and carry on as we were beforehand yeah 100% absolutely totally agree so you did you start your Instagram page during the during the same time no, I think I've had Instagram for quite a long time. I think if you look back, it might be about sort of, I don't know, 10 years. I'm not sure how long. No, no. <laughs> but but not, I, have you been Grow, Cook, Inspire that whole time though? No, I haven't. I did. I was sort of just my name. And I actually was one of those people who sort of 10, 15 years ago wrote a blog and it was called Gingerbread Women. And it was just recipes at that time and restaurant reviews and stuff like that so um I think the Instagram page has evolved and it's more for me certainly it's it's more like a magazine of inspirational things and people and commentary that I enjoy reading and finding out more about which I think is what Instagram is a great tool for love it or hate it I think if it's used in the correct way it can be a really useful useful tool god yeah and a bit cheap glossy magazines all the time <laughs> yeah that's very <laughs> true I, do you know i think that there's a certain there's a kind of a i don't know if you if you feel this um rather embarrassing if you don't but <clears throat> i feel like there's a real similarity not necessarily to everything that we do but certainly with the with the podcast and the way that we approach both of our podcasts or th- this is certainly how i feel anyway is that we we don't necessarily we're not necessarily aiming to to do you know everybody is a big name or everyone is a is a um is a you know ridiculously well-known person by any means it's the it's the fact that we we want to have conversations with inspirational people that are either inspirational to us or that are are noteworthy in some particular way that we just want to have good conversations with do you know what i mean no i can agree more i think we're definitely singing from the same hymn sheet and i guess that's that's why I wanted to do it because I want to, I want to, when I'm listening to a podcast, I want to learn more about the people. I'm not really that interested about when I chip my potatoes or when I'm sowing my broad beans. Yeah, I sure. want to know about behind the the movements that are happening or mm. behind the, I want to know what their story is, how they started, what 
what challenges they've faced and how they've overcome those challenges, which I find really interesting. And I wanted to tell those stories as well. And that comes from my background in media relations, where I am essentially telling people's stories for them Mm. on many different platforms. So yeah, that's why I would call myself a storyteller. I hate the idea of a PR person because I've also always written as well. So I don't know, there's something about PR person that just doesn't sit well with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. So, okay, let's let's delve into Grove Cook Inspire. Not just the name, but the the meaning behind that. I mean, kind of on the on the surface, perhaps it's perhaps it's obvious that you're you're wanting to grow and then cook that food and then inspire through that through that food and through those plants. But where did that where did that name come from? Was it a long was it a lengthy process to get to that that name, or did you? Yeah. Question because there are a few podcasts and books I like. So Sarah Raven is obviously grow mm. cook arrange. She actually came after me just, yeah. just to highlight. Yeah. So what grow grow cook inspire exactly what it is on the tin. I want to encourage it, encourage and educate people to grow their own, to grow their own fruit and veg and, and flowers, and also to cook seasonally and just be more aware of what they're eating. And the Inspire is about inspiring people, whether you're five or you're 85, that everybody can grow their own and can cook seasonally. It's not rocket science. We just need to think outside the box and experiment and have fun because that's the most important thing, in my view, about growing and cooking mm. is to have fun. And I want it to spark joy because... It's, the book is very honest it's not I, I don't want people to think that this is sort of like an Instagram sort of like rose tinted um, glasses view of the world it's the reality of cooking and growing your own and especially with children because things don't always work out and kids have got short attention spans and your tomatoes probably will get blight <laughs> so I wanted it to, to be real and accessible because there's loads of sort of coffee table books out there that are beautiful and I've got lots of them but I want this one to be relatable and that's what the feedback has come from this people say that they can relate to the book they're they try the stuff that's in there it's really easy to do it's not off-putting and also just the voice of my writing many people have said gosh I can just it feels like you're telling me this story and it's like a friend who who's sharing their handy tips and hints so which has been lovely um because I guess that was my intention although perhaps I didn't know that before if you know what I mean yeah because that's the other thing about writing I forget that people are actually going to read it (laughs) I yeah, I, sounds- I know, no, I know what you mean because I think that the, even, especially as you've said, um, that it's kind of a lengthy process over a you know three year or so period. I think there is an element of. I mean, I've spoke to, spoken to other people about writing that it 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 can be such. I don't know if insular is the right word. I suppose it is in a weird way, but that it's such it's such an individual process, or it certainly can be where you're completely fully ingrained. And I I suppose especially with uh with recipes and things as well because there's a certain amount of obviously you're having to having to try those out at numerous times i would imagine and there's a certain amount of i'm going to be doing this on my own for for x amount of time that i think you write it and you go through that process and you almost do forget that you're creating a, a something that's going to be going out in the public domain yeah i think yeah you're right and it wasn't until it was out there and i people had it in their hands and i was like oh people are actually yeah <laughs> oh gosh right and then when someone read me a passage back from it in an interview, I actually almost cried. <laughs> oh, 
because <laughs> it was really it, they could relate to it and that meant a huge amount actually to be honest because I wanted people to be able to relate to it and um, because there's a lot that I cover about mental health and my own mental health experiences um, and I put that in because I think it was important to be honest as yeah. well to highlight how gardening had helped me and how it could possibly help other people as well it's not going to solve everything but it, it can be useful and it can be really useful for children and young people as well mm. do you know it's funny you say that about reading reading a passage because i'm going to do the same if you don't mind and i really <laughs> i really hope that it's not the, the same bit that was that was previously read so for any for, so for anyone first of all that hasn't seen the book or hasn't got the book you're really missing a trick and i'll put a link to the to the book in the in the show notes but um yeah it's called grow cook inspire and it's it's not just it's not just recipes it certainly isn't there's there is a, how so how do you describe it because it's not a recipe book it is it is in part yeah. but it's not just that is it it's funny because i because while we're recording this it's obviously in the middle of summer and we're i'm doing a series i've been invited to do a series of talk throughout different parts of the country and mm. that and i I'm actually sitting here trying to put some thoughts together for one that I'm doing later this week. And I'm like, how do I describe it? But I guess I would say it's a gardening and cookery book aimed at anyone and everyone. And the real focus is about um, seasonal and sustainable growing, increasing wildlife in your green spaces and looking at how you can sort of recycle things, but also includes a lot about sort of mental health and how gardening can help our health and our, our mental health and physical health but also the health of the planet as well yeah um, so yeah I'm, a much more succinct way to put it <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i am gonna read a passage um i hope you don't mind this for me um was something that i that just just jumped out at me and and, and spoke to me in so many ways i think and is 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 in part the reason that I garden or is certainly the it's not necessarily the reason that I found gardening but it's the reason that I kind of stay gardening so I'm going to read this so for anyone um, that would like to hear a passage from it then here we go gardening provides purpose and structure because there is a living thing reliant upon your care you begin to take a sense of pride and share your knowledge amongst others you're constantly learning new things building yourself up and growing in confidence and your sense of awareness around you grows you notice the leaves changing colour the birds coming to the bird feeder and droplets of water on petals after the rain. Noticing these small moments can help you escape overwhelming and intrusive thoughts that stop you doing what you love and spending time with the people that you care for. To have access to green space on your doorstep should never be taken for granted. I just think that sums up, surely that is the summary of gardening, right? Uh, totally. It's it's not a luxury. It's almost like a necessity. Yeah, that I mean, that is gardening it, it, and that is how it has helped me in that it's allowed me to escape um some really pretty horrid thoughts that I've had in my head um so yeah and I think that's the thing like those are the things I know people will be able to relate to mm. um because maybe in there and got the t-shirt you're so speaking from thorough really experience yeah so I think honesty is always really good and um I know that that has helped me so yeah thank yeah. you that was lovely <laughs> <laughs> do you know there's another bit as well which is um a real it's only no no it's only a sentence but I think this is something that I I think that everybody every single gardener goes through um this element of when you certainly when you start a garden there's that there's that want to get there get there quickly and get there perfectly it, it, but that that almost never happens unless you're I don't know you're a gardener in a 
you know, extremely well manicured formal garden with a, an exact scope in mind or whatever. But there is something about gardening that I think absolutely teaches us resilience beyond any other hobby or pastime or anything that we that we can possibly do. And I, I certainly know, speaking personally, that that I've there've been moments where I've looked out into my garden and thought, Christ, this looks crap, knowing full well that it, it doesn't. But that's just a, a thought that's kind of cre- crept into my mind. But I think there's an element of gardening. Now, this is me going off on a on a rant now. But um, there's an element of gardening that absolutely teaches you that you have to be patient. You just do. I mean, you just absolutely do. There's no, you can't build a garden overnight. You absolutely can't. And if you did, you'd only want to change it the next day anyway. But um, this is just a very, very simple sentence, but um, I think is really, really important. For those who strive for perfection, gardening is a great way to knock that trait on the head. Perfection can never be achieved. I think that is so incredibly true. We're never, I don't know if it's a gardener's trait or I just, I don't know what it is, but we, we're never, ever happy. But I think it's learning to embrace that that's not a negative thing. That It's just that your garden is ever changing. It just always will be through the nature of the nature of nature, but also just with the the way that we find new plants and we find new things and new fruit and new veg and new ways of growing and what have you, it's always going to change, isn't it? Yeah, it's a movable feast, but also that that, that life is not perfect, and I think that, mm. that can be applied to all different aspects of people's lives, um, and that's why I think it's a really good thing for children to get involved in because I think it helps them manage their expectation, and I think especially now when there are so many pressures on children and young people to to be the best and to get the best grades at school. And I think it's really, gardening allows us to take a step back and just see a bigger picture that things will be fine. They might not work out as you want them to in the first instance, but you'll always get there in the end. Um, so that was really the main thing that I wanted to get across in the book as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've nailed that. I'm, I'm absolutely... Um, convinced that you've completely nailed that for anyone that hasn't seen it and that would like a copy where can they get their mitts on a copy and um, so it is available from my website growcookinspired.com it's on amazon and you can also get it in all good bookshops mm. yeah. it's lovely to say that isn't it in all good bookshops and actually i should say that it has been an absolute labor of love and i have done the entire thing myself which i am hugely and immensely proud of mm. um and like I could act in a publishing agency as well as a as a media release. <laughs> uh, so so yeah so yeah it is available in all good bookshops. <laughs> Great. We, so you've mentioned your children there, which is something that we need to we need to go back to as well because you are a what is the what is the term? It's kind of a schools champion, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So I was shortlisted. I was nominated as an RHS schools champion earlier this year, and. I was one of five finalists in the UK. I was the only um, Scottish finalist out of the five of us. And uh, yeah, it's something I'm, I'm immensely proud of, to be honest, because again, as I'm, I'm not a teacher and I'm a parent, but I genuinely believe that gardening and taking the classroom outdoors can be hugely beneficial to not only the pupils, but also to the teachers as well. Um, and I found that kids learn so much better outdoors and, and away from the classroom. I'm not advocating that everybody should be moving their, their schools outdoors, but I think there's a balance to be struck by how much we spend indoors and outdoors. And I've helped build the confidence of teachers because I found that actually 
it's the teachers that lack the confidence and the know-how of actually getting kids outdoors and doing stuff outside, which is a real tragedy, to be honest. Mm. Um, but that's something I have worked hard off my own back throughout the last year. Um, and I've set up a community and schools gardening club that's called Netherly Budding Minds. And it has just been hugely successful. And I just get such a buzz out of seeing the kids grow. I know that sounds like such a cringe cliche to say, but I've seen children who have been quite quiet. They've totally come out of their shell. It's brought together children that wouldn't necessarily be pals in the classroom or out in the playground, but it has brought different pupils together, which is just a really great thing, to be honest. So so everybody's growing. The children are growing. The, the teachers are growing. And so are the school gardens. So it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think there's a um, there's a real need for us to continue that conversation around getting children gardening and I think there's it's you know it does continue and there are there are more people talking about it how if you would if you were to be posed that question by a parent that has got no idea how to get their kids in the garden what do you think is a is a great place to start I think just give them a space or give them a corner of the garden and allow them to experiment and I think that's the key thing. It doesn't have to be perfect and just allow them to have fun outside. You won't get them out for very long. That, that's that's the thing. They're not going to be out there for hours. Mm. But just let them sort of plant something, give them something to, to, um, to have responsibility for. I found that really well. And if there's something that they can grow and they can then sell and get money for, <laughs> then I find that gives them a great incentive uh, to garden as well. I know my kids during lockdown, they set out uh, set up a flower shop outside our front door and sold jam jars of flowers to the neighbours. They made a fortune. <laughs> yeah, of course. I bet they did. I also think that exposing them to different gardens in the area is also a great thing on day trips as well. And lots of gardens are free. Um, and also the RHS has a huge amount of really phenomenal resources. The school's garden campaign is is great. And the team that are running that are are really, really good. So I think um, getting onto that site on the RHS schools gardening site mm. is um, definitely worthwhile. And obviously buying my book. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. It's not just a book that is... It's just kind of you there's there's all sorts of kind of not family ideas but it's it's done as a as almost as like a, fa- a collaborative family effort in a in a way isn't it yeah totally and I think that's that's also a, I think that makes it a bit more real as well um so people can relate to it and hopefully try the ideas out and in a school setting as well mm. um so yeah I just, I really, we just need to give people the confidence, to be honest. And if I had a magic wand, every school would have a school garden and would have a dedicated yep. person that would come in once a week. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where perhaps big businesses in the gardening world could maybe have a role to play, whether they were to sponsor somebody uh, or do something like that, that would actually give something back to to the area and do something good, sort of like a CSR sort of mm. idea mm. Um, I think something in that because at the moment schools are absolutely strapped and they're not going to be paying for a horticultural educator no um, no I think there's a there's an element with the schools thing that I think through conversations that I have um that I think that it, it, more often than not it, it boils down to 
to people than it does. I mean, there's funding is a is a question, um, which is a thing with a big question mark over it, undoubtedly. But it always in the conversations that I've had boils down to the fact that no, we don't have any money, but we don't have a person to to run it. Or there's there's ultimately that kind of conversation where we said, oh well, that was that was a thing that we had at one point, but that person left yeah. and then nobody carried it on. Um, you know, so there has we, got to be that, that kind uh, of person involved as well, hasn't there? Yeah, no, there has to be a person. And at the moment, I am on that person, which yeah. if I'm there, and my children are not going to be there at that school forever. Mm. Um, yeah, I've got three boys and my youngest isn't at the school yet. He's still at the nursery. So they, they, they've got me for at least another eight years. Mm. But um, they, it needs to be put more at front and centre because we're undergoing a climate crisis as well and a food crisis and we need to teach children about the environment how we can help environment and how we can grow the food that we are going to eat to keep us alive essentially um so the focus has just been shifted um too much and we need to bring it back again they bring things back back absolutely well you're doing a fantastic um job helen you really are anyone that's not following you or hasn't read the book or hasn't listened to the podcast then um then absolutely do please do because the every element of what you're doing is a is a real joy to witness and kind of seeing it going from strength to strength particularly over the last year has just been um it's just been really nice to see from the from the outside oh thank you adam and i I should say like the gardening community is a really wonderful community as well and they're so good at sharing information and supporting one another. So so that is a lovely environment to come in and, and work. And that's the other thing for, for children and young people. It is a burgeoning career and there's so many opportunities that horticulture could provide and will provide people as well. So I don't ever lose sight of that. No, absolutely. Well, we've got to the point of the podcast where I've got three of the single most difficult questions that you've ever been asked in your whole life are you ready for them i am ready (laughs) they're really not that bad don't worry Uh, let's start start with question one if you were to start your own garden again from scratch where would you start oh well do you know what i'm gonna get that opportunity so that's quite exciting yeah you are (laughs) because it's about to get bulldozed um what would i do right i would probably I won't do this, but if I could, I would just make it into a big cut flower patch. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> My dream is to have a flower farm. That mm. That is what I would love to do. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. What would you, what kind of flowers would you, would you start with? Is there something you particularly love? What do I love? Well, in terms of like cutting flowers, I'm thinking sweet peas, sunflowers. Yeah. I mean, sunflowers are underrated flower on the universe i love 1000 percent agree one thing i think they're really really under uh, well under undervalued as well like just yeah, completely that i think are. everyone thinks that they're a thing that you know kids grow at school and they put in a little pot and they bring yeah. home and you know but the the varieties available are just oh, ridiculous stunning so yeah, yeah sweet peas sunflowers and dahlias there mm, you go nice okay <laughs> Um, I've got a feeling that there might be a, um, an answer to this next question in what you've just said, perhaps. But anyway, I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your favourite scent in the garden and why? Ooh, good question. Um, well, I mean, 
definitely. You've mentioned sweet peas already, obviously. I do. I love sweet peas. And I always, during sweet pea time, I, I cut them daily and I put a little vase beside my bed because I just love the smell mm. and it may drift off. I do love that good sort of morning dewy smell first yeah. thing when you tea and I go out I always go out with my bare feet and um I just I love that smell I'm not sure how I would describe it but there's a lovely smell <laughs> it's similar to um you know the word petrichor no I you don't know, oh do you know this this surprises me when um you meet someone that doesn't know it's the smell after rain um, it's P-E-T-R-R-I-C-H-O-R. Um, but it's not the same, but it's similar, isn't it? It's a similar yeah. smell. Yeah. So those are my favourite smells. Nice. Okay. And the final question, which yeah. is quite, it is quite a big question. I'm very sorry. And it's tough for you to uh, summarise in a, in a short statement. But yeah. why does gardening bring you so much joy? <laughs> It provides me. Have I answered this in one word? Or no, no, can I waffle? no, 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 no. You waffle. Right. You go. Um. Why does gardening provide me with so much? So it provides me with joy because it is a form of escapism, but it's also something that I believe provides us with a lot of hope for the future. If you'd like to find out more from Helen, then you can follow her on Instagram at grow underscore cook underscore inspire. And you'll also find more information on her website, growcookinspire.com. Helen's book, also called Grow Cook Inspire, is available online and in all good bookshops. Join me again next week where I'll be in conversation with another fantastic planty guest. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram at view from the potting bench to see what I'm up to in my garden or visit viewfromthepottingbench.com to read my blog and much more. And don't forget, if you've got a few spare minutes, please do consider leaving a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. See you again next week.